Hello and welcome to Corbett's Comments. I'm Dr. Otis Corbett and I invite you to come along with me as I share biblical exposition and commentary. I truly believe that God's Word is one of our greatest helps as we live for Him in the world today. And so like the psalmist, let us agree to hide His Word in our hearts that we may not sin against Him. It's good to see you on this uh, cold and actually a little snowy Sunday morning. It's uh, the best kind of snow. It was pretty and it's gone. And that's uh, that's always the best. Actually, snow is fine. It's the it's the ice that I don't like. The ice on the road. So, but um, we are glad to be here uh, to help. And if you will turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter five, Luke chapter five. To uh, today, as we look at God's word, what I want us to do is look at Jesus as the master of nature. Jesus is the master of nature. And we're going to do that today looking at three different pieces of Scripture, three different passages of Scripture, and each one of them uh, actually, uh, I believe, involves a boat, which is sort of interesting. Someone said that a boat is a hole in the water into which you pour money. And uh, that may or may not be true, but, um, you know, boats are something that can be very, very useful, and at times they can be very, very dangerous. Um, I'm thinking particularly of uh, a ship called the Edmund Fitzgerald. The Edmund Fitzgerald was, uh, of course, a song written about that was launched in 18, uh, excuse me, 1958, and it was the largest ship on the uh, Great Lakes until 1971. Huge ship, 13,602 tons empty, 729 feet long. The Edmund Fitzgerald could carry twice its own weight in iron ore. And for years, it went back and forth along the Great Lakes carrying iron ore to, um, or, or to, uh, to, um, steel mills in the United States and had a very productive and very um, useful history and gained quite a reputation. Uh, it was so big, it was called the Big Fits, and it was a strong uh, ship, and it seemed to be able to take anything that nature threw it at it and without having any trouble, except until November of 1975. On the 9th of November, 1975, it was bound for Detroit, Michigan with 26,000 tons of iron ore. And it uh, was overcome by a winter storm and it simply disappeared. It just went down. Took its 29 person crew with it. So even something as big and strong as the largest ship on the Great Lakes, something that had been taking everything that the Great Lakes could give it for decades without even a bobble, all of a sudden, because the power of nature went straight to the bottom of the water. If you doubt uh, the power of nature, go down to the Mississippi Gulf Shore. I went down there one year and was on the seafront there on the Gulf of Mexico, and there's a, a pole 
that they had that marked the storm surge height for various hurricanes. And I was looking on this pole and I could not find Hurricane Camille, the biggest storm really that's hit the Gulf Coast probably ever. And I was disappointed. I, I, how could they have left off such an important landmark, something that happened to so many people? And I was disappointed until I looked up about 30 feet in the air on this pole. And that's where the storm surge for Hurricane Camille was marked. The forces of nature are, I mean, they're impressive. They, they are also deceptive. They, they seem to be under our control and then they slip out of our grasp. Uh, a book I read uh, several years ago when I was living in New Orleans was called The Force of, excuse me, The Control of Nature. And it was all about the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers attempt to manage the flow of the Mississippi River. And basically what they, the, the author's thesis was is it's uh, when you squeeze it in one place, it squirts out another. You can control it in one place, but sooner or later it's going to find a weak spot and it's going to burst out again. Nature is powerful, but what we see in our passages for today is that Jesus is the master of nature. Let's look at chapter five of Luke beginning in verse one. And um, let's go down to verse four. When he had stopped speaking, Jesus was standing in, in Peter's boat. He said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a wicked for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Father, in today's world, we are overcome by so many things that we cannot control. One of them, Father, is nature. We see that around us every day with the weather, with the pandemic, with so many different things. But Father, help us to see that Jesus is the master of all that and that we can trust him with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we look at this passage of scripture, what we see is that Jesus is the master of creatures. Jesus is the master of creatures. Now, nobody likes anyone to butt into their business. That no one likes the, the busybody that gets in the middle of your business. Uh, there's a saying that goes, those of you who think they know it all really irritate those of us who do, right? And they, that is a particular attitude when you know your business. Now, sometimes people think they know more than the experts do. 
And we see that all the time on social media, how people think that they know more than they really know. And usually what happens when people think they know more than they know, and then they put that into practice, uh, it turns into a disaster. There was a police department years ago who were looking at the traffic accidents and looking at the people speeding, and they took it upon themselves to install a temporary traffic light at a particular intersection. Now, they didn't properly research it. The city engineer didn't approve it. The, the people in charge of the highways didn't know it was going to happen, but they installed this temporary traffic light, and what happened was a fatal accident occurred. Nobody likes it when people mind your business. And what we see here is Jesus should not have known anything about fishing. Now, did Jesus know maybe about going down to a creek? And, and I, I, Maybe, okay? But Jesus was not a trained fisherman. He was a carpenter. His father was a carpenter. Now, in those days, carpenters did more than just build buildings. They, they, they repaired, they built plows. Everything was made of wood, or at least uh, large portions of things were made of wood. And so uh, he was a technician, okay? Uh, but he was not a fisherman. I mean, it'd be like today if an automobile mechanic went out to the Gulf Coast and told a shrimp boat captain how to run his shrimp boat. That would not be very smart, and it would also not be very welcome, because this kind of fishing is not the kind of fishing that you do here on the lake, where you take your boat out and you take your fishing rod and reels and, and, and your lures. Uh, they were using nets. It was an industrial activity, and it was not something that most of us would know what to do. Certainly, a carpenter from uh, a place in on land would not know what this kind of fishing was like. He may have heard of it. He would not naturally, however, be expert in something he's never done. You've probably seen uh, uh, films of uh, videos of people throwing nets out and and I don't understand how it works, to be honest, because it comes out flat, it goes out flat, and then it comes into a ball. I don't understand how. How would Jesus understand this? But the thing is, Jesus is the master of creatures. He may not have known anything about fishing, but he knew everything there was to know about fish. And what did he know about fish? Because Jesus was there at creation. And in fact, Jesus is the creator. John 1, verses 1 through 4 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. You see, Jesus put all this stuff together. And you know, when you build something, you know more about that thing than anybody else does, okay? If you bake a cake, you know more about what went into that cake than anybody who eats that cake. Um, my wife made a pot of soup yesterday, and I have no idea what's in that soup, but it's good, okay? I can tell some things in that soup, but there's a lot of stuff in that soup I have no idea 
because she's the one that put it together. Jesus is the creator, and we need to honor his knowledge of the creation. He demonstrated his knowledge of the creation in this incident, and he is the one we need to follow. We need to follow his instructions. You see, the Bible tells us we're to have dominion over the world, but we're to be good stewards of that world as well. When I was pastoring in, in East Alabama, there was a fella in our community who was reputed to have the cleanest fence lines of anybody that owned property in that community. And what I discovered was the reason why he had the cleanest fence lines is that he used to take his used motor oil and spray it along the fence line. And of course, it killed everything, right? Now, he probably didn't know any better. We know better now. And so would we do that now? I hope we don't, <laughs> okay? Because we need to be good stewards of the world that God has put us in charge of. Because he's in charge of creatures, not us. But he's given us that responsibility. And we need to follow what he asks for. But, but creatures are under the domain of Jesus because he created them. He's also the master of storms. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8 says that Jesus is not only the master of creatures, he's also the master of storms. In Matthew 8, beginning in verse 23, we read, Now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then the disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? And then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And so the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the word, winds and sea obey him? Jesus is the master of storms. Now, when we think about the Sea of Galilee, that is called in the Roman world, Lake Gennesaret. And the reason why is it's not a sea, it's actually a lake. It's just a big lake. It's, the, it's where the Jordan River begins, but it's a big lake, and that is not a sea. But that didn't make it any less dangerous. You can ask the widows and, and the, the people who survived the, uh, the crew of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Is a lake dangerous? Yes, it can be very dangerous. Uh, the way it's set up in um, the Sea of Galilee is that there's a tunnel effect. There's high ground on, on two sides of the, the lake and water, I mean, air comes flying between those two uh, high spots and, and it sort of has a funnel effect or the Venturi effect and it causes uh, many strong winds and some, some very severe storms that come up on the Sea of Galilee. Um, the closest place I've ever been to some place like that was when we lived in New Orleans, uh, the North Shore of New Orleans between uh, the, the North Shore of New Orleans and, and, and Slidell is something called Lake Pontchartrain. And Lake Pontchartrain is very, very shallow. But because it's so shallow, uh, the winds can stir up some very, very strong storms across that lake. And the dangers of these storms are real. Uh, the fishermen had to go out and they had to uh, do the fishing 
to make the economy work for food and to make their lives work. And then we see that uh, Jesus, like many people, took a boat from one side of the lake to another. It was a, a very important route for transportation. Without the sea, northern Israel would not have been the place that it was. And so as this was happening, a storm blew up along the way. And um, the disciples who knew boats in the lake were deathly afraid. Again, they knew their business, just like they knew the fish. Naturally, what happened in, in Luke should not have happened. And in this case, what should have naturally happened was that boat should have sunk. And Jesus was asleep. It, it, I am not Jesus by any means, but it sort of reminds me of when we had the tornadoes that came through here a few years ago. I was, we slept through them. We had no ideas that those, that tornado had come through until one of the pastors in the association called to see how we were doing. I said, what do you mean? Oh, <laughs> you guys have any damage? I said, what damage? What storm? Uh, but Jesus was asleep for a different, I was asleep because I was just fat, dumb, and happy. I just was sleeping. But Jesus was asleep to prove a point. He was not worried about the storm. That storm didn't bother Jesus in the least. Do you think Jesus didn't know what the forecast was? Because he knows everything. He can read our minds. He could read the Pharisees' minds. He, could, he, he knew what was going to happen. Did it bother him that he was going out on the, the, the Sea of Galilee and a huge storm? It didn't bother him a bit because he was the master of storms and he is the master of storms. He rebuked the wind and the seas. Calm came over the waves and the disciples just marveled at it. I mean, they were just amazed at what Jesus did. Have you, have you ever seen a, a magician or somebody who does sleight of hand and you wonder how they do those things? You know, they bring the quarter out of your ear. And then if you've seen how it's done. It's just so simple. But you almost marvel more at the sleight of hand and the simplicity of it and the way they distract you rather than the actual little trick that they did. And that's sort of what it is with Jesus here. Jesus showed his majesty and the disciples were just like, whoa, who is this fellow that we have gotten hooked up with? We, have, we just don't understand this power. But Jesus was the master of storms. And I'm telling you, I'm glad that he is because there are some powerful storms that come across this earth and we can't stand against it, but Jesus can. We also want to look at uh, Matthew chapter 14 this morning. Again, Jesus and the disciples are in a boat. Well, Jesus is not in the boat yet, <laughs> but there's a boat involved, okay? So let's turn to Matthew chapter 14 and uh, verse 22. After they had fed the 5,000, verse 22 tells us, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Don't, I think this was a convenient excuse for Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, was, he was taking care of business. He was closing out the service, you know. But he sent his disciples ahead because he was about, again, to show who he really was. I don't think the disciples had to go ahead of Jesus. I think Jesus made this happen. 
for a reason. So immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go to before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountains by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, and the wind was contrary. That's a good word for wind, isn't it? Sometimes it's contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, Come. And when Jesus had come out of the boat, he, bit, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, that's a wonderful word, boisterous. He was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, Oh, you, little, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Jesus, in this passage, demonstrates that he is the master, not only of creatures, and he's not only the, magist, uh, the master of storms, he's also the master of physics, the master of science. You see, God created this world, and he created it to work in a certain way. He created the laws of biology. You know, we have the modern skill of, of genetics in terms of uh, breeding our plants to produce more because of a monk. A monk, a religious leader, to learn that we could cross-breed plants or we could do selection of plants and breed them together and, and, and they would come out to have stronger characteristics. God created the law of physics. You know, Gravity works every time. Gravity is our friend and gravity is our enemy. But it doesn't matter. Gravity works every time. You say, well, airplanes fly, but that's because there's another law of physics that allows airplanes to fly. But you know what? Airplanes cannot defy the law of gravity permanently because every airplane will land. The trick is to land it safely because it's going to land. Sooner or later, it's going to run out of fuel. Sooner or later, it's going to run into a storm, but every airplane will land. We, uh, our office is right across from, this, from the airport there, the, the regional airport, and boy, airplanes come in there all the time. Helicopters and, and training jets and uh, those big C-130s, and one day my wife was visiting me at work, and and she was doing some work uh, in, my, in the office. She had some business she had to take care of, and she needed to do it where she could uh, take care of some take take care of some business, and, and she looked up and said, "Is it always this noisy?" I said, "Every day I work, except when it's overcast and rainy. But every day they come in there, boom. But you know what? Every one of them is going to land. They're all going to take off, but they're all going to land because the laws of physics will always be in place. And these laws of physics are immutable." They work the same way every time. People have said that bumblebees violate the law of physics. Well, the fact is nothing that flies 
violates the laws of physics. We don't understand maybe how that big old round thing can fly, but if it violated the law of physics, it would be planted firmly in the ground. And so because we know God created the world, and because we believe our God, according to the word of God, is an intentional God, and he's a God who has a, a, a mindset of orderliness. Jesus, I mean, Paul said, do everything decently and in order. Um, and he taught us that. Then we know God does things decently and in order. And so in ancient times, people were scared of ghosts as the disciples were. They said, oh, there's this, there's this evil spirit out there and it's coming across the water. Maybe that evil spirit blew up this storm. You see, they believed in, in territorial gods, the God of the ocean. And then there was the God of this nation and the God of that nation. But there's only one God. And that God works in an orderly, intelligent, intentional fashion. You can see that in the way he created the earth. And because of that, we can figure out how this world works, because it works in a rational matter. It's not perfect anymore because our sin has spoiled it, but it works in a rational manner. And we can figure out things like how to make penicillin to defeat bacteria. We can learn how to make uh, vaccines to overcome viruses. Uh, we can learn what it, how to build a strong building that, don't, that will not fall down of its own accord. We can learn how to uh, uh, make stronger breeds of animals that produce more milk or more meat. Or, or we can produce stronger strains of corn that will, that will resist drought. All of this because we believe the world works in an orderly way because the God who made it works in an orderly way. But here's the thing. Every time you try to walk on water, you know what happens? You fall through. You see, every time you try to walk on water, you fall through. Now, there is this lizard. They call it the Jesus lizard. It's so light and it's so, uh, its, its, its feet are so big, it can run across the water. But you know what would happen if it stopped? It'd sink. Everybody that's ever tried to walk on water has sunk except one. And that's Jesus. You say, well, Peter, what? Well, Peter sank too, didn't he? Right? But Jesus is the master. He's the master of physics. He's the master of this world. He can walk on water and he can empower Peter to walk on water as long as Peter's faith held out. Jesus is the master of creatures. He's a master of storms. Jesus is the master of physics. And Jesus should be the master of our fears. You say, why am I talking about all these things? Because we're often afraid of creatures. We're afraid of four-legged creatures. There was a, a girl, young, a young girl, who uh, when she was eating her graham crackers one day, her dog jumped on her and took a graham cracker away from her. And she was scared of dogs. And so later on, when this young lady grew up and was uh, going to college one day, she was walking down the street and a German shepherd came out and barked at her and she ran and the dog chased her. And then she fell and she skinned her knee and, and everything just went to pot after that because she was afraid. 
And many times we're afraid. I, I personally have learned not to be afraid of animals. I, I am the alpha animal when I'm in dealing with animals. I just I just won't let, I won't back. Uh, we have goats. And goats will bully you if you let them. And in 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 our pasture, we have a goat who is the uh, the 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 alpha male goat, and he tried to bully me one day till I kicked him in the teeth. And you know what? He doesn't bully me anymore because I'm in that pasture. I'm the alpha male. You see, we don't have to be afraid of four footed creatures, but we can be, and we can also be afraid of two footed creatures too. Somebody else I know, every time uh, every time there would be some kind of a, a bulletin about a escaped convict, they would, she would call, this, this, her mother would call her and tell her, no, be, be careful, lock your doors, there's other escapee out there. But Jesus is the master of creatures. And we need to trust him to take care of us. Jesus is the master of storms. Like I said, Storms cause all kinds of damage and all kinds of destruction. But I'll tell you what, if, if, if we lived in fear of hurricanes and tornadoes, we wouldn't be able to live in Covenant County, okay? We have more alerts and more warnings here than I think anywhere else in the world. Not true, but it seems that way. But we can be afraid of storms. In the church where I was pastoring, I told you in, in East Alabama, there was a, a family that uh, there were four people in this family but only three of them would ever be seen in one place at one time. So the mother and the father and, the, and one of the daughters would come to church. And then the mother and the father and the other daughter might be seen at a restaurant. And then the two daughters and the mother might be out see, be, be seen shopping. But not all, none of the four were ever seen in the same place at one time. And what happened was, sometime in their past, they were all gone from the house and lightning struck their television antenna. That, this was a long time ago. And it went into the house and it caught their house on fire while they were gone. And from that day forward, they never left home, all four of them, ever again. The two, daughter, the two daughters, the sisters were spinsters and they, they, they lived. They were always having somebody at home just in case lightning struck again. Because it caused them to be afraid. Sometimes we're just afraid we're going to miss out on something. There's something out there in the world that is, is exciting. Something out there in the world that, that God cannot provide us. We forget that God's way is the best way. And so sometimes we find our ways around the rules of creation. Sometimes we find pleasures in ways God didn't intend. Sometimes we find power in ways. God didn't intend. Sometimes we just rebel against his plan. But we don't need to be away, afraid of following God's plan. What did Jesus tell his disciples? He said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. But I'm come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. We don't need to be afraid because Jesus is the master of nature. He created the world for our blessing. You know, Jesus didn't have to create the world, but he chose to, to share his blessing and share his love. He didn't have to give us the ability to make vanilla ice cream, but I am so glad he did. He didn't give us the secret to making grits work well. Cook grits well. That's about the only thing I can cook. I brag on grits all the time because that's the only thing I can cook. 
But he gave us all these things because he loves us. So we need to let him be our master because he truly knows better than us because he is the master of creation, the master of nature, and he needs to be the master of us. And when we put ourselves in the master's hands, we can rest in assurance because he will take care of us. Now, you say, right now, we're in the midst of a pandemic. And more people have died now in recent years than we've ever seen before. How can we trust God? Well, let me tell you how we can trust God. Every one of those people who died in relationship to Jesus, do you know where they are today? They're in a much, much better place than we are. They're in a place where they don't have to worry about the weather. They're in a place where they don't have to worry about creatures. They're in a place where they don't have to worry about if they trip and fall, they might get hurt. They're in a place that God has created for them and he's created it for us too. So we cannot lose. When we trust our Lord, we win here on earth. And when we leave this place, we win as we go to be with him in heaven. We don't need to be afraid. We need to trust our master and he will give us that abundant life. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We pray now you bless us. And Father, if someone this morning needs to turn their life over to you so that they can find that confidence and find that assurance, Father, now is the time that they can do that. And if Father, if someone is afraid, if someone is in fear, I pray that you would assuage that fear today and help them to place their trust in you. Because Jesus is the master of all these things that we're afraid of. And he will take care of us if we just let him. Bless us, Father, as we commit ourselves to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon to comment on more scripture that we can consider together to help us in our everyday lives. Every blessing, I'm Dr. Otis Corbett.